Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It is our Friday news dump and the first day of March. That's right. Number three month of the year. Let's go ahead and cover what's been going on all week. I guess all February even. We might be covering some stuff that we missed and let's go into our headlines today on Before Coffee. Netherlands holds Russia liable for a $180 million cost related to the MH17 downing. And Eurozone inflation cools, but not as much as expected. The IRS goes after rich tax cheats, and we cover the Alexei Navalny funeral. Ministers urge to launch review of evidence on hormone pregnancy test Primodos. And the Texas Panhandle is still on fire. And the Sierra Nevada is about to get nailed with a big amount of snow. The Tower of London's new Raven Master takes charge of the landmark's iconic flock. The Stars of Mar, which is National Dress in Blue Day and also National Dead Gum That's Good Day on March 1st, 2024, before coffee. It's our first news stories from coming out of Europe. This is from Elsa Court on Kiev Independent. The Netherlands has spent at least 166 million euros or 179.8 million dollars on costs related to the downing of the MH17 for which it holds Russia liable. According to a report by the Dutch General Audit Chamber, ARK, published in, on February 29th. Wow, they published that on leap year. Maybe that's the only time they ever published that report. Um, so my first Robin. All 298 people on board, including 80 children, were killed when Russian proxy forces used a BUK missile system to shoot down the Malaysian Airlines flight above Dontesk Oblast on July 17, 2014. The plane was flying from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, and Dutch citizens made up 196 of the passengers aboard. According to the ARK report, the Dutch government spent 8.6 million euros, or 9.3 million dollars, on crisis management, 22.6 million euros, or 24.5 million dollars, on reparation on the bodies, and 9 million, or 9.7 million dollars, on the identification of the victims by police and Dutch Forensic Institute. The most significant sum was the investigation, which cost the Dutch government 53.3 million euros, or 57.7 million dollars, followed by criminal prosecution and trial, which cost 34.1 million euros, or 36.9 million dollars. The Dutch minister was quoted saying, If you don't stop Russia now, they'll go further. And it's not just Ukraine. Since the start of the full-scale evasion, the Netherlands has taken a leading role in providing Ukraine with what needs to survive, seven years after voting down a EU association agreement with Ukraine in a referendum. Effectively delaying it for a year, the Netherlands now still using that to be angry at Russia, I guess. Two Russian nationals, Igor Gherkin and Sergei Dubinsky, the Ukrainian Leonid, the Ukrainian Leonid Karchenko, were found guilty of shooting down the MH17 at a Hague District Court on November 2022. Wow, it took them that long to get through the entire proceedings since 2014. The trial began in March 2020 and the suspects were tried with in absentia, which means they wouldn't appear in court. They were tried without actually being in custody, I think. 
The Dutch government spent 8.1 million euros or 8.1 million dollars on commemorating the victims and 800,000 euros on caring for surviving relatives. Other costs related to archiving information on the MH17 blowing diplomats for international procedures and research, the ARK said. The ARK calculated costs incurred by the Dutch government from the day of the downing to the end of 2022. More costs have been incurred since 2023 and are expected to continue in the near future. The Netherlands and the Australia plan to use the port in a procedure at the International Civil Aviation Organization to hold Russia liable for all costs arising from the attack. It is unknown when a decision will be made in the procedure. Yeah, shooting down a civilian vehicle, just random as hell. I don't know why, you know? There's this thing called radios. I know you know about them. You, you contact people over them and say, hello, who are you? And they go, oh, we're a civilian airship going to Malaysia. Okay, you're not going to drop a bomb on us. Every like, what are they going to do? Land troops? <laughs> every civilian aircraft has a transponder that identifies yeah. it as civilian aircraft. And you see it on your screen. Exactly. So the fact that they shot down a civilian aircraft is just like, we have all of the technology to know that they aren't a danger. Oh, it could have been a trick. What is wrong with you? Anyways, whoever, they're, they're doing two, two Russian people are being tried for it, but I don't, they didn't really say who they are, what their rank was, if they're just the grunts who got the, you know, shoot that down. Oh. Okay, yes, sir. You know, or is it, are they the officers who gave the command? We have, I have no idea. They didn't give me that information, but uh, well, hopefully it's the commander the because I don't think, you know, shoot at this target, you know, whatever. That you're it's the one. Before. Yeah. Russia's done it before. The U.S. has done it before. Messed up. Um, in more Eurozone news, there is a failing, falling inflation figures. That's right. We've been talking for the past week about U.S. having the lowest inflation ever. And now the Eurozone can also say, hey, we also have a low percentage. Not the um, lowest inflation ever. It's Anyway, and its, it's biggest economies down. will come as a relief for the ECB, which makes it the next interest rate decision next week. Inflation in the euro area slowed to 2.6% in February year on year, down from the 2.8 the month before, but not quite as low as the 2.5 analysis had analyst had predicted. Eurostat's preliminary estimate released on Friday shows that the consumer prices in the Eurozone are rising at the slowest rate in three months, but they're still hovering above the European Central Bank's target inflation rate of 2%. Specifically, service prices rate rises eased off slightly from 4% to 3.9, as did food, alcohol, and tobacco prices rising, rises falling from 5.6 to 4, and on energy industrial goods, 2% to 1.6. On the other hand, falling energy prices that decelerated from negative 6.1% in January to negative 3.7. Poor inflation, including volatile food and energy prices, also slowed to 3.1, reaching its lowest point since March 2022, yet still remaining above the forecast of 2.9. The figures follow hot on the heels of those from the Eurozone's largest economies. In France, preliminary figures indicated a dip in annual inflation rate based on the CPI, Consumer Price Index, from 3.1 in January to 2.9 in February. However, economists have forecasted a steeper decline to 2.7 annually. 
Meanwhile, in Spain, flash data revealed a drop in the annual CPI inflation rate from 3.4 in January to 2.8 in February, slightly missing the economists' expectations of a 2.7 annual de decline. On a monthly basis, the CPI, CPI edged up by 0.3% in February, matching market expectations. In Germany, inflation stood at 2.7 from a year ago, down from the 3.1 in January, and in line with expectations, Italy, meanwhile, held a steady 0.9. The results will come as a relief to ECB officials, who will gather next week to set their next interest rate as they continue their strategy to drive down inflation. Experts predict the deposit rate will be again left at 4%. So there's your comparison and expectations for the Eurozone's inflation rate. And on to your story. And we're going to cover the Texas Panhandle fire, which is still raging. In case you didn't think our planet was hot enough, it's getting hotter. And just ahead of a big old windstorm, Texas Panhandle trying to put up the fire of the century. Fire crews, this is from Reuters. Reporter Nathan Pradino, Brandino, Rich McKay, and Brendan O'Brien. Brendan O'Brien, hi. Canada, Canada, Canadian Texas is the is the uh, the area they were looking at. Fire crews fought to contain a wildfire that grew to the largest on record in Texas history. Make this a little bit bigger so I can read it. On Thursday, after scorching more than 1 million acres of grassland and timber, destroying homes in small towns that dot the Panhandle region, the blaze, dubbed the Smokehouse Creek Fire, had doubled in size since Wednesday. It was 3% contained on Thursday morning, according to Texas A&M Forest Service. Firefighters debris fall in strong winds that have swept the sparsely populated area in recent days to erect barriers and douse the hot spots of down trees and thick grass. On Thursday, Jason Wilhelm, 36, was using a front loader to clear the lot in Canadian, a small town 100 miles northeast of Amarillo, where the house he shared with his wife and five children had stood a few days earlier. Charred grass and blackened trees are all that remained. His wife was able to gather pictures, cash, and some sentimental items from the home before the blaze roared through on Monday. It was heartbreaking, Wilhelm said. Rain and snow falling in the area Thursday offered a shot of moisture before the air dries on Friday and high winds return over the weekend, said Steve Hanna, an Amarillo-based meteorologist with the National Weather Service. Gusts could reach 40 miles an hour by Sunday, which is, oh, if you remember the El Paso Springs, I know you remember them. Wind and more wind. And there's nothing to stop it out there in the prairie. Yeah, nothing. The Smokehouse Creek fire has now burned over 1.8 million acres and nearly one point, which is or nearly 1.1700 uh, square miles, a area larger than New York's Long Island that replaced 2006 fire that charred about 900,000 acres as the most expansive in state history. More records you're gonna keep breaking, Texas. Just, just keep on burning that fossil fuel. Yeehaw! While Texas is in the midst of natural fire season, 
Running from January through May, the sheer size of the Smokehawks Creek blaze makes it an outlier, said Flavio Lehner. That's what I thought. It seems really outlying. To teach, yeah, it's outlying in Texas. <laughs> out, out, who teaches atmospheric science in Cornell University he believes that the human-driven climate change is a contributing factor, though a specific cause has not yet been identified by authorities. Well, that specific cause, who's somebody playing with matches for all we know, right? Is somebody with a campfire out of control? We don't know, right? It's warmer. Mm-hmm. It has been in the past. It makes the vegetation drier. You had a lack of rainfall that makes the conditions right for fire. Of course, there's no real forest out there. It's more like brush. You're in a lot of mesquite and tumbleweed type stuff. Not big, huge oak trees. None of that. A number of structures destroyed or people evacuated without someone clear, but dozens of homes have been leveled. The fire has claimed at least one fatality, according to Texas State. And the victim is described by local media as 83-year-old woman in Hutchison County, northeast of Amarillo. Uh, lightly, sparsely populated areas there. There's like a bunch of counties where like 400 people live in the whole county. Lee Haygood, the owner of a ranch about 25 miles southeast of Canadian managed to save all of his cattle while he was counting his blessings he was also wondering how he would feed them we didn't lose any cattle but we lost 75% of our grassland it'll take a full growing season to come back not until maybe the fall so he's gonna be looking for hay yeah in other uh, weather related disasters or at least one that's actually happening at the moment the Sierra Nevada is about to get nailed with a lot of snow which they had a lot of snow last winter and it's going to happen again and the, the waning minutes of winter as we know it by the way i i just saw my first robin and i'm a bird watcher i have not seen any robins in a while so i'm just not nice right right on the first day of march pretty soon <laughs> the frogs will be singing again Wow, wow, wow. the frogs go outside and will never be quiet again. Not until October, November. It'll be like Frog City. So appreciate the quiet while it's there. A blizzard lasting, this is from AccuWeather.com. A blizzard lasting days will blast the Sierra Nevadas and the Siskios, the Skitsigales, which is another mountain range, with this tremendous snow into this weekend with the likelihood of travel shutdowns of life-threatening conditions. I was not saying. A massive storm will unload a general general six to ten feet of snow and break high winds this Sierra Nevada's through the weekend. The storm will not only close the major roads and the air passes, but bury and isolate communities for an extended period. Ten feet of snow is 120 inches or a foot of rain. The snow will fall. Can you put up with a foot of rain? I don't think you could. That's it's a lot. actually a good thing it's snow. Yeah. It's a lot of rain. Yeah. The snow will fall at the rate of four inches per hour, while 60 to 70 mile an hour winds will create dangerous blizzard with mountainous snow drifts. Mountainous snow drifts in the mountains. The snow will create potentially deadly travel conditions along two major arteries in California, Donner Pass, California, along Interstate 80, and segments of I-5 in Northern California and Siskiyou Summit in Southern Oregon are likely to close. There's a high risk of motorists becoming stranded due to the incredible snowfall rates and likelihood that road roads will be unable to keep up with the storm until it concludes late this weekend. 
Yeah. Plowing the roads while the wind's blowing is a waste of time. Let's just go all right back again. Fortunately, you get one car through and then all the snow's back again. This includes roads to and from ski resorts in the region. Well, ski resorts will be doing brisk business in a couple of weeks. So. The combination of heavy snow and high winds is likely to lead to power outages that could take many days, if not weeks, to resolve in isolated areas. Those in backwood locations will need a safe means of heat and plenty of food. If you live in the backwoods of the Sierra Nevadas and you already do not have a generator, a wood stove, you know, all of that stuff, prepare for this massive snowstorm to get in the mountains. You probably shouldn't live there. <laughs> Compared to the past snowfall data, it was expected to fall. It's a big storm, late February, 2023. So there you go. That's a quick update. They're just going to keep throwing statistics at you and telling you, oh, there's going to be much snow here, that much snow there. That hasn't quite happened yet, but they're preparing for it yet. And again, this storm is not going to stop once it crosses the mountains. It's going to bring heavy winds across all the great prairies of the Great Plains, including the Panhandle of Texas. Yeah. So as Mother Nature just keeps reminding us that, hey, you people are fucking up. <clears throat> and we're going to live in denial of, ah, we'll always be great. We're humans after all. We'll figure it out. Back to you. All right. Weather be weathering. Okay. Yep. Let's go ahead and Ten cover feet of our. Snow. Sorry? 10 feet of snow. 10 feet of snow. At least I saw my first robin today. Let's cover some what people are, I guess this article is calling the biggest medical fraud in the 20th century. Here from Irish News by Elia Pickover, a PA health correspondent. Families who suffered avoidable harm as a result of a hormone pregnancy test have been sidelined and stonewalled, a group of MPs said as they called for a fresh review into evidence. MPs said the suggestion here is that there's no proven link between the hormone pregnancy test, primo dose, and babies being born with malformation is factually and morally wrong. A report by the all-party parliamentary group APPG on hormone pregnancy test claims Evans was covered up and it's possible to piece together a case that could reveal one of the biggest medical frauds of the 20th century. Around 1.5 million women in Britain were given hormone pregnancy tests between the 1950s and 1970s. Campaigners have said women were instructed to take the drug, which is 40 times the strength of an oral contraceptive pill, by their GPs as a way of finding out if they were pregnant. Hormone pregnancy tests were withdrawn from the market in the UK in the late 1970s, and manufacturers have faced claims the test led to a number of adverse outcomes, including birth defects and miscarriages. An expert working group was convened in 2017 but the APPG said that there were flaws in the report published by the group and questions around the process that was followed. The APG said the subsequent review, the Independent Medicines and Medical Devices Safety, recommended an independent review of the expert working group review. The MPs call on ministers to commission such a review and make it independent from the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, MHRA, and the Department of Health and Social Care. The new report 
said MPs have heard countless stories of sorrow and anger after a lifetime spent needlessly and irreparably damaged both physical and mentally. Auburn Party Test Report, Mary Leon. Oh, sorry, that's the picture. Picture descriptions, the two people being like, we've, we're the ones who made this. It added that mothers continue to be burned by the guilt of having taken the tablets. Parents of the affected children, now in their 70s and 80s, are deeply anxious about what will happen to their adult children when they are no longer there for them. Yasmin Rishi, chair of the APPG, said the report calls on the government to finally do the right thing. She told the PA news agency, The report brings together the crucial parts of this historic research that exposed the scandal that is at the heart of this campaign. This is evidence that the government chose to ignore. The report sets out new scientific evidence which was recently published by a team led by Swedish scientist and professor, Professor Danielson. It asked, why does the government continue to rely so heavily on the expert working group report when the findings and how it came to achieve those findings are so flawed? The report pulls apart the key arguments in the expert working group review. It questions its lack of independence, transparency, and most of all its judgment on how it came to conclude that there was no casual association when in the terms of the reference he had said it must look for a possible association. Just like thalidomide, it is impossible to prove causation unless the drug was tested on pregnant women and they know this. Thalidomide. Thalidomide. What is the story yeah. behind thalidomide? Oh, it caused kids uh, born without eyes and stuff like that. It was awful. Oh. So under the brand names Contergen and Thalomid, among others, is an oral medication used to treat cancers and skin disorders. Okay. And they, oh, in 20, it was in November 2023, they actually, the Australian government actually announced their formal apology to people affected by it. So it was only last year that they, the thalidomide tragedy has been apologized for as a dark history in the Australian... Making Mississippi proud. Wow. Anyways, so it's similar, basically they're saying this is similar to that. The government is refusing to acknowledge that there was, you know, harm done because, oh, we can't prove there's causation, right? One of the key recommendations of our report is that we urgently need an independent review of an of the expert working group report. The government must now pay attention and do the right thing. Marie Leon, chairwoman of the Association for Children Damaged by Hormone Pregnancy Tests, said there is evidence which refutes the conclusion of the expert working group report, adding, I await a positive response to our quest for a complete independent review of all evidence. A Department of Health and Social Care spokesperson said, We remain hugely sympathetic to the families who believe that they and their children have suffered following the use of hormone pregnancy tests. It is the right it is right that the government is led by the scientific evidence and the government's position remains that. After reviewing the available evidence, it does not support a casual association between the use of hormone sorry, a causal, I've been saying casual because they, those two words look the same. Causal association between the use of hormone pregnancy tests and adverse outcomes in pregnancy. We are not closing the door on those who believe they have been affected and have committed to reviewing any new scientific evidence which may come to light. So the argument here is that pregnant women who took the drug believed that it was the cause, whereas everyone else who was in the people who control the drug and the government 
are like, uh, we didn't see anything at all. At all. We didn't find any causal association, whereas the whole point of the report was that they were supposed to be looking for any association that is possible, right? Is it possible there could be an association? But instead of looking for that possible association, they refuted any association at all. Zero. That a, and the idea that a hormone drug did not affect a woman's body at all, I'm gonna have to call bullshit. I have to agree with the, the mothers and the people who are asking for an independent review. I have to agree. There's no way something with, what did they say it had? like 20% more hormones than any any birth control, like 20 times or something, 40 times. It's the 40 times the strength of an oral contraceptive pill, which I've taken those, and they do affect you. 40 times the hormones need, like from a normal birth control pill, and they're saying, oh no, it didn't affect anything. It didn't do anything to your body whatsoever. Okay, dude, I believe you. Anyways, <laughs> your next story. Well, I was treated, my mom was treated with uh, hormones yeah. in utero, and uh, I think it made me angry. Yeah. I think I got roid rage. I think yeah. I'm like, she was given like extra like uh, estrogen, not estrogen. What's a hormone that? For estrogen? Uh, no, it's it's a hormone that's triggered in ninth month of pregnancy. Yeah, proestrogen. That's the thing that tells your body to start oh, okay. making milk and stuff. Yeah. Right on. Well, anyway, it's probably something even worse because she says it made her grow hair in her face. So, yeah. <laughs> over over stimulated hormones are very right. harmful to bodies. People don't understand this. Probably. Our whole bodies are run by hormones. Progesterone. Yeah, it's, a, it's probably a bunch of steroidal hormones. Injected into me. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, yeah. Whatever was going Straight into her through. body was Straight going into you. All the way into me and going, yeah, let's. This will like, fix it. <laughs> I'm a weightlifter. Ha <laughs> <laughs> no. ha. In uh, IRS collecting taxes news, as we call it, uh, you pay your taxes, I pay my taxes, but yeah. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. Man. I love paying taxes because I love supporting my do. local people around me and making sure there's roads and shit rich people have this tax cam that's called charity right? yeah they give their money to charity of course the charity is run by their significant other their kid or whatever and of course they're in the board of directors of the same charity and uh, of course it's just a kickback to their family when we talked about this and, on tuesday right that woman yeah. who got a bunch of money from her investment bank husband who died and what she do she donated a billion of it to what her charity? school so that she didn't have to pay tax on it because it's a charity donation. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, I started a, I started a, I started a scholarship fund. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, it helps people, people, but we, it's probably not as helpful as actually just paying your taxes, you know? In theory, it helps people. Yeah. It's like most charities. If you look at most charities, 90% of them are ripoffs. They're just yeah. taking money and giving it to their rich friends. Um, IRS launches crackdown on 125,000 wealthy non-filers. The IRS plans to go up to 125,000 high-income earners who did not file tax returns going back to 2017. Godspeed, IRS. The more they pay, the less I have to pay. That's why I see it. And the agency sees hundreds of millions of dollars of unpaid taxes are involved in these cases. Hundreds of millions, that's all? Okay, 125,000, right? 
times 10, just $10 is over a million. <laughs> so how's 125 million high income earners not get them over the billion? Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, a thousand thousand is a billion. They're, they got to owe more than a thousand dollars in taxes each. Okay, anyway, beginning of this week, the IRS will start sending out incomplete, I'm sorry, starting again. Maybe I should read that as, as, as uh, AI. Huh? Beginning this week, the IRS will start sending out non-compliance letters to more than 25,000 people who earn more than a million per year and 100,000 people with incomes between 400,000 and 1 million who failed to pay their taxes between 2017 and 2021. What a coincidence, the Trump years. The campaign announced Thursday, it is part, the campaign on Thursday is part of the agency's ongoing effort to pursue high wealth tax sheets, mandated in part by funding provided through the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act passed into law on 2022 and, and on directive from Tre Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to IRS leadership not to increase audit rates on people making less than $400,000 a year annually. When people don't file a tax return, they're required to. It's not fair to those hardworking taxpayers who responsibly do their civic duty under the laws of our nation. Hey, if I could get away with it, I wouldn't pay taxes either. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? When that's yeah. how the world works. The people who are honest right. and follow the rules get punished. Exactly. Because you have to. Yeah. You, it's it's your, your financial interest. The IRS will be like, what are you doing? What are you doing taking that illegal deduction? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975. You, you owe us $10,000 since 1975 now. Yeah. And there's an entire industry built on, we're going to fight. We're going to help you sell your IRS tax debt. Whole entire industry. Mm -hmm. Yep. On the... Only people who ever get persecuted are the poor people. And what's the famous the joke about the IRS, IRS is that they know how much you owe them, but they won't tell you. We know you There's owe us this serving. much money, but we're not going to tell you. You're going to have to do all the paperwork and figure it out yourself. There's people serving prison terms for tax evasion because yeah. they're poor. Yeah. There's, people, there's people serving prison terms for stealing from charities, which Donald Trump and his entire family did and were convicted of. And their, their, their charity that they were supposedly running was dis, like, disassembled Yeah. because it was an illegal charity. But they didn't go to prison. It's like, what good's the law if you can't send people to prison? <laughs> Rich people don't go to prison. That's the old problem in yep. this country. For instance, IRS in recent months has announced a slew of new co new campaigns aimed at targeting high wealth individuals who misuse the tax system or fail to pay their obligations. For instance, last week, IRS leadership said the agency will start up dozens of audits for businesses and private jets and how they were used personally by executives or written off as a tax deduction. And earlier this year, the agency announced that it collected roughly half a billion dollars of over taxes from delinquent millionaires. If you're a delinquent millionaire, just stop being a millionaire. You don't deserve it. Pay your taxes, assholes. Wordful said the agency's non-filer non programs have only run sporadically since 2016 due to lack of funding and staffing. Because you got Trump in charge and he just defunded the IRS as much as he could. But since the federal tax collector received resources from the IRA, the IRS has now the capacity to do this core tax administration work. This isn't a small group of people we're talking about. Of course, 125,000 people. If you get a million dollars 
from each of those people what you want. A lot of them only make a million per year. Let's see you get a hundred thousand from each one of those people. That's a billion, that's twelve billion dollars. Where's the uh, where's the math here? When they say millions of dollars, I say it's gotta be billions. Mm. They're withholding. At least a billion. I mean, we just went over, we over, wait, we overwent that yesterday as well, right? What, how much money you have to be to be the top 1% in every country, right? Right. Most of them, yeah, billions. Well, the story was from AP, Atima Hussein of the AP. So she depressed. There's another story from the AP, and it's about Russia. Good old Russia keeping themselves in the news. Alexei Navalny's funeral happening today. Nivali's family and supporters are laying, this is from also may be, and the reporter in this one is, or hers, is Katie Marie Davies and Asha Litanovia, Litanova, Asha Litanova. Sorry about my Russian. Relatives and supporters of Alexei Navalny are bidding farewell to the opposition leader at a funeral Friday in southeastern Moscow, following a battle of authorities over the release of his body after still unexplained death in the Arctic penal colony. Unexplained, he was poisoned. Under a heavy police presence, hundreds of people bade farewell in Moscow on Friday to Alexei Navalny at his funeral and his still unexplained death two weeks ago at the Arctic penal colony. He was 47. People just dropped dead of 47. They just don't, okay? The funeral followed a, the battle of authorities over the release of the body of President Vladimir Putin's fiercest critic. His supporters said several, church, said several churches in Moscow refused to hold the service for the man who crusaded against official corruption and organized big protests. Many Western leaders blamed the death of on the Russian leader, an accusation the Kremlin angrily rejected. What was he in prison for again? curious prison for having an opinion ah that's what he's in there for Navalny's team eventually got permission from the church of church of the icon of the mother of God soothe my sorrows which is the longest name of a church I've ever seen which was encircled by a crowd controlled barriers on Friday hours before the funeral started hundreds of waited to enter under the watch of police Western diplomats were spotted in a long line along with presidential hopefuls Boris Nedezin and Yekaterina Dunsova both wanted to run against Putin in the upcoming presidential elections and oppose this war in Ukraine. Neither was allowed on the ballot. After the hearse arrived at the church, a coffin was taken out of the vehicle and a crowd applauded and chanted, Navalny, Navalny. Some also shouted, you weren't afraid, neither are we. A photo from inside the church showed an open casket with Navalny's butter covered with red and white flowers and his mother sitting beside holding a candle. Navalny's father was also present, but it wasn't clear who else in this family attended. His widow, Yulia Navalnaya, Navalnaya, just two days ago addressed the European Parliament in Strasbourg, France. His daughter is a student at the Stanford University. And, and the whereabouts of his son are unknown. His, his daughter's going to Stanford. He was only 47. Wow. So yeah, she could be 27 or so. Yeah. The, the politician's closest associates have all left Russia under pressure and watched the funeral footage, w uh, of which was streamed live on his YouTube channel from abroad. 
Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov urged these gathering in Moscow and other places not to break the law, saying any unauthorized gatherings are violations. Uh, what the hell is a funeral but a mass gathering? Dude? It, just stop it. Really? When you in the United States think you want a government like Russia's, this is what you need to think about. This is the stuff you're giving to our country. It's like, oh yeah, that guy was against the government, so he was bad. We're glad he's dead. That's what they're telling most of the Russians. Yeah. That's what they're telling, yeah. It's a good thing everybody who disagrees with you dies. That's how yeah. the world should run, yeah, for sure. Well, because, you know, the buses are on time. Yeah. Navalny's mother, Lyudmila Navalny, I'm sorry about these pronunciations. Navalny's mother, Lyudmila Navalnyaya, spent days trying to get authorities to release the body following a February 16th. Yeah, man, I'm still talking. Penal colony number three in the town of Karp in the Yamalo Nenets region of about 1,900 kilometers northeast of Moscow. Even on Friday, the morgue where the body was being held delayed its release. His re its release, according to the Ivan Zadarnov, of all these close ally and director of the Anti-Corruption Foundation. Authorities originally said they couldn't turn over the body because they needed to conduct post-mortem tests. Navalnyaya made a video appeal to Putin to release it so she could bury her son with dignity. At least one funeral director said he had been forbidden to work with Navalny's supporters. His spokeswoman, Kira Yar Yarmishish, said on the social media. They also struggled to find a hearse. Unknown people are calling up people and threatening them not to take Alexei's body anywhere, he said on Thursday. Yarmish said on Thursday. Russian authorities have announced the cause of death, have not announced the cause of death for Navalny, who was 47. Navalny had been jailed since January 21 when he returned to Moscow to face certain arrest after recuperating in Germany from a nerve agent poisoning he blamed on Kremlin. So, long story short, um, they've had the funeral, it's a public funeral. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out about arrests on for people, you know, publicly displaying affection for a human being. Oh, Some, yeah. that's illegal. Oh my God! How dare you? Did you just sneeze? Me? No, that was me being bewildered that people were giving public affection to and stuff. Yeah. Ah! Wow. Shocking. I hope everybody has to stay home. In front of my soup? soup right? In front of my salad? Or whatever is the meme? For Putin's funeral, the United States should send, like, the janitor at the White House. Yeah. People are just going... We sent the representative to his funeral? The guy who mops the floors. <laughs> Back to you. All right. In our culture segment, we are going to talk about... The Raven Master at the Tower of London. That's right. They got a new one. I used to love this book. I don't know even know who wrote it or who it was by, but there was a book called The Raven Master. I think it's probably still in the house you're in right now. But I loved reading that over and over and over, that book. So, I think Raven Masters are pretty cool. 
The Raven is also a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool thing, but that's uh, more of a depressing story. <laughs> the Raven, but uh, never more. So this is my own personal interest, I guess, but it is technically cultural. This is from AP News by Jill Lawless. If an ancient prophecy is right, Michael Barney Chandler has just got the most important job in England. The 56-year-old former Royal Marine is a new Raven Master at the Tower of London, responsible for looking after the feathered protectors, protectors of 1,000-year-old fortress. Oh, I remember now. The, mo the book I'm thinking about, called The Raven Master, is about a kid who is the apprentice of the Raven Master, and he finds some Scottish prisoners during, I think, the uh, Jacobite rebellions, and he, replete, and he helps them escape the Tower of London. That was the book. Anyways, I just remember the plot. I was trying to remember what the plot of the book was, but that was uh, the plot of the book. So. Kind of like Outlander. Yeah. I remember it was specifically about Scottish people getting freed. Scottish rebels. According to legend, if the ravens leave the 11th century tower besides the River Thames, its white tower will crumble and the Kingdom of England will fall. In the 17th Thames. century, Thames, right? King Charles II was told to prophecy and decreed that there must always have six ravens at the tower. We take that responsibility very seriously, said Chandler, and now that I'm Raven Master, there's the extra responsibility on my shoulders. As for the prophecy, he said, we don't know if it's true or not because we've never let the number drop below six. And it's not going to happen while I'm here. Chandler, who was officially who officially takes up the post on Friday, which is today, March 1st, is one of the tower's famous human warders, part of the core founded in the 15th century, also known as the Beef Fetters. The warders are a military veterans who dress up in distinctive black and scarlet Tudor style uniforms and perform a hybrid role, providing security and leading tours of the tower and performing ceremonial duties. He heads a team of four other beef fetters looking after the tower's seven ravens, the sixth decree by Charles and the and a spare, just in case one of them gets sick and dies, I guess. There are Jubilee, Harris, Poppy, Georgie, Edgar, Bronwyn, and the latest edition, Rex, who was named in honor of the coronation of King Charles III last year. Rex means king in Latin, did you know that? The jet black birds are a familiar feature at the landmark, which has served as an arsenal, palace, prison, zoo, and more recently, tourist attraction. A zoo, huh? I think I remember that, yeah. Built by King William I after his conquest of England in 1066, it served as a royal residence for several hundred years, but it's more famous as a prison. The tower is where the princess in the tower, songs, sons of King Edward IV, were confined in... Princes of the tower, sorry. Sons of the King Edward IV were confined in 1483 and allegedly murdered by their uncle, King Richard III, where Anne Boleyn was executed in 1536 after Henry VIII grew tired of his second wife. Other famous inmates have included Princess Elizabeth, the future Queen Elizabeth I, Guy Fawkes, who tried to blow up Parliament, and Adolf Hitler's deputy, Rudolf Hess. Oh, I didn't even know that. Guy Fawkes, huh? Remember the remember the 5th of November. The gunpowder, treason, and plot. Nowadays, almost 3 million tourists come each year to soak up the millennium of history and see the glittering crown jewels, which are stored in the tower. The official title of the Raven Master is only 50 years old, 
though the role is far older, and Chandler is the sixth holder of the post. He is in charge of the health and welfare of the birds, who usually roam freely around the tower grounds by day and keep in cages at night. Duties include maintaining the birds' enclosures, arranging veterinary checkups, and keeping them fed on the preferred diet of raw meat supplemented by occasional treats of hard-boiled eggs or hard-tacked biscuits soaked in blood. That's a very specific diet, but okay. They're carry-on birds, said Chandler. They eat almost anything. The birds' feathers are trimmed to prevent them from flying away, although they occasionally escape. According to historic royal palaces, the charity that oversees the tower, a raven called Grog, flew off in 1981 and was last seen outside East End Pub, named the Rose and Punch Bowl. Chandler is endlessly fascinated by the highly intelligent birds, which he says are smart as a seven-year-old child. Pressed on his favorite, he names the mischievous Poppy, who hops across the grass beneath the white tower over and eagerly accepts his offering of a dead mouse as a snack. He says the bright-eyed corvids are probably one of the most intelligent animals there are. Seems here, sometimes here, too clever for their own good. But for me, that's the attraction. Chandler, who served in Afghanistan around the world during the 24 years in the Royal Marines, has been on bird handling courses and had other formal trainings for his role. But he says all the courses in the world doesn't replace actually being here and being amongst the birds and knowing their habits. You'll never know what they're gonna do, Chandler said. They're all totally different, personality-wise. Some will play ball, but others won't. It's just unpredictability, which is also the interesting part of the job. There's always trying to catch us out, he said fondly. They know what we're up to. So, there is your update on the new Raven Master at the Tower of London. I love birds, but I don't ever want to own one because they. I don't. I don't think it's nice to put something that can fly in a cage so you can look at it all day. So I'm fine with You're birds saying. being out there, on the trees. You know, seeing them sit on the trees. I don't falconry? need to put them in a cage. How about falconry? Just have one that. Yeah, a falconer. Yeah. Go get, go get me a large animal. Go catch mice for me. Yeah. Catch. <laughs> Oh, they take down bigger things than mice. Get yourself a peregrine falcon. Oh, Those yeah, totally. Those deadly. They fly like 200 miles an hour. Scary. Uh, ravens, may, long may they fly. That's my this uh, day, this day in history. Yeah, there you go. I guess this day in history, we're talking about March 1st, 1810. Frederic Chopin, a Polish-French composer and pianist, uh, Chopin, a Polish-French composer and pianist of the Romantic period, who ranks as one of music's greatest tone poets for by reason of his imagination and fastidious craftsmanship, was born. There you go, and I got the hiccups. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1875, in this day, Republicans in the U.S. Congress passed the last of the Force Acts, which protected constitutional rights of blacks during Reconstruction. 1896, the Ethiopian army of Emperor Menelik II won a divisive victory, decisive victory against the Italian army of Adwa, Ethiopia. In 1990, protesters in Seoul launched the March 1st movement, series of demonstrations for Korean national independence from Japan. 1922, Israeli statesman and soldier, soldier Yitzhak Rabin was born. He was the Prime Minister of Israel, engaged in peace negotiations with Palestinians, for which he won a share of the 1994 
Nobel Prize for Peace, which of course, peace continually lasts until this very day in Palestine. That was humor. 1932, the infant son of American aviator Charles Lindbergh was abducted in his home. Bruno Hoffman being later convicted of the baby's kidnapping and murder. Again, Bruno Hoffman called the scapegoat. 1936, after five years of construction, the Hoover Dam and the Colorado River at the Arizona Nevada border was completed. It is the highest concrete arch dam in the United States. Big old Hoover Dam, which makes Lake Mead near Las Vegas. 1954, American filmmaker Hot Ron Howard was born. Richie Cunningham was born on this day in 1954. So happy 70th birthday to Opie and Richie Cunningham. Opie, what was it? What was Andy Griffith's last name in that show? I don't, don't know because I wasn't alive. Opie, Sheriff Andy, I'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> 1961, the Peace Corps was established by U.S. President John F. Kennedy by means of the Peace Corps Act. 1994 is the birthday of Justin Bieber. So must Justin Bieber turn 30 today. Happy birthday, Justin Bieber. I don't know any Justin Bieber songs. Baby, but, uh, baby, baby. Oh, that's his first hit. So there you go. It sounds, it sounds really lame. Anyway. Yeah. If I was your boyfriend, I'd never let you go. Uh, I don't know. That's just horse crap. Um, it's pop music. It's old. Yeah, it's not good saying. music. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, if you love Justin Bieber, more power to you. Yeah, it's good like, for you. I don't like him either, better, but there's better stuff out there. 2005, a major capital punishment case. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to execute convicts who were under the age of 18 at the time of their crimes. So there you go. Kill everybody you want before you turn 18, and they won't gas you. Yay! I don't know. I don't know what the age limit means. They're still killing people. I mean, they only execute people for murder. They don't execute them for, like, tax evasion yet. It's a good idea, tax evasion. 2014, no, French film director Alain René, I have to pronounce this in French, R-E-S-N-A-I-S, must be pronounced René, right? who is the leader of the new wave of unorthodox, influential movie directors of France in the late 1950s. Well, he died on this day at the age of 91 in 2014. Our featured event, establishment of Yellowstone as the world's first national park. On this day in 1872, Yellowstone National Park, situation, situated in the Western United States and designated UNESCO, World Heritage Site 1978 was established by the U.S. Congress as the country's and the world's first national park on this day in 1872. Some forward-thinking people in 1872. Featured biography is Dahlia Grybuskati, president of Lithuania. That is a woman, by the way. March, she was born March 1st, 1956. So she's 67 years old. Wow. And the president of Lithuania. Also birthdays today, Harry Belafonte, singer of the Banana Boat song, as you most people call, hey -oh. 
Hey, that guy. And a bunch of other cool Calypso type songs. Was born in this day, 1927. So happy 97th birthday to Harry Belafonte. You already mentioned Ron Howard's birthday. It's Javier Bardem, Spanish actor, born in 1969. Lupita Nyong's, a Kenyan actress. Nyong'o, okay, you know her name. Yeah. 1983 was her birthday, so she's turning ripe old age of 41 today. She's one of the most famous African actresses, man. I'm terrible with pronunciations, thank you. I just know her name because she's the most famous African actress. Like, right on. Oscar winner and everything, man. Okay. Uh, and I'm also, we're going to remember Richard Lewis for a short biography. This is from Rolling Stone. Corey Groh. Anything Beloved Star dies in a heart attack after revealing battle with Parkinson's disease late last year. Richard Lewis, stand-up comic who achieved fame in the 1980s by turning his neurosis into comedy gold, later experienced the renaissance in recent years, thanks to Curb Your Enthusiasm, died on Tuesday at the age of 76. The cause of death was heart attack, his publicist Jeff Abraham confirmed in Rolling Stone. Last April, Lewis re revealed that he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I'm under a doctor's care and everything is cool, he said at the time. I love my wife, I love my puppy dog, I love all my friends and my fans. He also revealed at the time he would be retiring from stand-up comedy to focus on writing and acting. Lewis, who often dressed entirely in black, embraced the title of Prince of Pain, gained prominence by joking about his family and his own personal foibles. He quipped about his family's annual inductions to the Hall of Blame in the mid-80s. According to the New York Times, a joke that at meals, if you can match any two symptoms, you get seconds. <laughs> On Comedy Relief, he told the audience he had a re rear view mirror in his stationary bike since he's so paranoid. <laughs> in 2006, in a Yale book of quotation, reorganized Lewis as the originator of the phrase, the blank from hell, filling in the blank to whenever he struck him for the moment. Idea that didn't actually originate the term on the basis of Kirby Uther's last episode, The Nanny from Hell. He the was the staple in late night TV shows, appearing in tonight's show, starring Johnny Carson 22 times, late night with David Letterman 44 times. He would continue to appear at Letterman's show when he moved to CBS. As an actor, he appeared in comedies like Mel Brooks's Robin Hood Men in Tights and dramas like Mike Freak's leaving Las Vegas in 1995, but it was for Curb Your Enthusiasm where he played a fictionalized version of himself, one who perpetually was, was perpetually tired of Larry David's antics that solidified his place in the cultural conversation. Richard and I were born three days apart in the same hospital, and for most of my life, he's been like a brother to me, Larry David said in a statement. He had that rare combination of being the funniest person and also the sweetest. But today he made me sob. For that I'll never forget him. Forgive him. In a post yeah, shared Instagram. How dare you? How dare you not? How dare you die not on cue? <laughs> In a post shared to Instagram, Kirby Enthusiasm co-star Cheryl Hines remembered how Lewis would take time to tell people he loved what they meant to him, especially in recent years. She wrote. In between takes on Curb, he would tell me how special I was to him and how much he loved me. Be loved by Richard Lewis, a true gift. Lewis, like, like Larry David, grew up in New York City at around the same time. Of course, around the same time. They were born three days apart in the same <laughs> hospital. 
Lewis was born in Brooklyn on June 29, 1947, and grew up in Inglewood, New Jersey. His, he first met David at summer camp when they were both 12. <laughs> Lewis told Howard Stern he hated David then. <laughs> Apparently, when they met each other as adults when they were 25, they both remembered each other. They were at backstage. At, I'm telling the story. They were yeah. backstage at the improv or someplace, one of these comedy clubs. And they go, I know you, I know you. And they started another fight. They started a fight right there <laughs> after realizing they didn't like each other. But he ended up on Larry David's show. And they were friends for life. Lewis' father was a caterer, his mother was an actress. Lewis started doing stand-up on his father's death in 1970, after his father's death in 1971, performing at New York's Improvisation and Pips. Within a few weeks, he became a Tonight Show regular, and by 1979, he started his own TV movie about stand-up comedian called Dire of the Young Comic on NBC. After he and David both ventured into stand-up comedy, the two men liked each other's work and became friends. But it was Letterman who let Lewis credited with helping elevate his career initially. David Letterman set me off. He called me into his office when he got his late night show in 82. I was doing a lot of stand-up shows. He told me I was moving around too much on stage. He told me to move back to New York and write for a show. <laughs> and I could still be a comedian too, I told him. No, David, I just moved in. I can't, he said. I'll tell you what. You can come on this show as often as you want, but you'll never be doing stand-up. Not on my show. I never did stand up on television from 1982 on because of Letterman. Every time, every time his show would say, let, uh, let Richard do five minutes, Dave would say, no, Richard, don't do stand up on television. He sits down, that's because of Dave. Yeah, his stand up is very chaotic. Walks back and forth, the camera can't stay on him, right? can't do that on a Tonight Show or one of those. They have a star. You stand in that star, the point, the camera points at you. Richard Lewis taking off, you know? Not like, I think they had to do that for uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams never would stand up either, but he would just take off all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. So Richard Lewis, funny man. Rest in peace. Rest in laughs. Decent human being all around. And what day is it? National Day today is National Pig Day. So go hug a pig. I'm gonna have some bacon later. I ate bacon yesterday. But that pig has already long seen its life end. Not I, I don't know if even I don't know if it was there for this life ending. To be fair. Well, let's not think about that. It's National <laughs> Pig Day. Go hug a pig. Go pet a pig. It's it felt like really cool. The pet. It's National Peanut Butter Lovers Day. Pigs are very loyal pets. Yeah. National Peanut Butter Lovers Day, March 1st. Hell yeah. I love peanut it's butter. National Read Across America Day. Uh, like a cross made out 2nd. of reeds or reading? <laughs> <laughs> Allison joke of the day. I'm not, it's not really a dad joke, my pun. It's a lot of it's a lot of days today, so bear with me. It's National Peanut Butter Lovers Day, National Fruit Compote Day. Mmm, like, that's uh, some good stuff. Some canned fruit that's canned in its whole existence. <laughs> National Horse Protection Day. Protect your horse and your pig. Player at it. National Read Across America Day. I guess is just. Hey kids, get a book out. But it's it's actually March second. But if it's on um, if it's on a weekend as it is in this year, it's the nearest school day. So I hope there's a lot of kids reading today, and not just reading books that are approved by the official Moms for Liberty. You know, 
know, where Jesus wrote the Constitution, those, those kind of things. <laughs> it's also National Dead Gum That's Good Day, and it's uh, apparently named after a cookbook. Ooh. My lord. Why do I, why do I have, why do I? What's happening? I've got a headphone, headphone noise. Hold on. I don't even know where it's coming from. Okay. This stupid ass uh, website just started playing audio on my oh. ears. It was like, yeah. Get rid of it. Please go away. Noise in my headphones. <laughs> okay. We're going to mute. We are muting my own. Muting my headphones so I can speak. Thank you. Good Lord. I don't even. It's still there! Stop it! Okay. Holy shit! Stop it! Damn it! Sorry about that. Sorry for losing my temper, but God, what the hell is that? Okay, next to the National Day calendar, which for some reason started playing music in my headphones. I said, That's enough of you. I'm going to deafen you. It's National Employee Appreciation Day, National Day of Unplugging, especially your headphones. <laughs> trying to give reports. Actually, I should just, I'm just taking them off. It's National Dress in Blue Day, National Speech and Debate Education Day, National Sunkissed Citrus Day, which is a plug for the Sunkissed uh, brand. It's injury, it's self-injury awareness day and it's national Minnesota day. So I don't know how many days it is. That's like 15 different days it is today. So enjoy all of that stuff. Protect your horse, wear blue and rub peanut butter on your pig. I don't know, just uh, <laughs> rub peanut all butter of on your stuff pig. going on today for March 1st, <laughs> 2024 on Before Coffee. All right. Can't hear you because I guess I'll go find a pig that I oh my camera's not focusing on me. Uh, I guess I'll go find a pig. Oh my camera just is not focusing. I had to close my internet that? browser to get rid of that noise. <laughs> oh my god. Well, blurry Allison here. I'm gonna put some peanut butter on a pig <laughs> and make some fruit compote. Uh, I will see you next week for our mucking fun day. Have a good weekend. And here is your mic drop moment. What a Technological mess here at the end of the show. <laughs> Black tarantula. Daylight come and we wander home. Oh, Mr. Dali man, Dali man. Daylight come and we wander home. Oh, Mr. Dali man, Dali man. Daylight come and we wander home.
sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records. <laughs>